Welcome to the Workplace Chameleon. This is Dr. Selena, and this podcast should be retitled Irony. So I had actually selected the topic of crisis communication literally within a day before finding myself in a literally uh, knee, not quite knee deep, but a whole lot of crisis in the form of sewage. Now, hopefully you are not eating during this episode, but I promise I will not make this graphic. However, in my world, I wanted to talk about crisis communication and what a leader needs to do to create the conditions and the channels and the relationships before we actually have to leverage them. And certainly while our world of a sewer breakage, line breakage and raw sewage in our office building basement and a whole new plan now that we have to tear up concrete between us and the alleyway to connect to the city's sewer line has created a whole lot of, uh, yeah, just crisis in our world because, you know, you, you take a sewer line for granted every time you flush the toilet. So, well, I can think of many, many worse things in this world. Uh, between writing the episode and now recording the episode, I have to chuckle just a little bit at the irony. It doesn't take too long on an internet search to find lots of quotes about crisis and crisis manager. It is usually that moment in time where we as leaders prove ourselves. Can we navigate through the difficult times? Often it is those challenging times that reveal more about who we are and how we show up in those moments. And there are a wide range of quotes out there from different sources, different times in human history. One of the ones that I found that I just really appreciated was Abraham Lincoln and his note documented. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the people. If given the truth, they can be depended on upon to meet any national crisis. The great point is to bring them the real facts. That is interesting. We often, you know, when we look at crisis management materials and research, there's often an emphasis on being really clear on the facts and slow to blame, right? That that crises give us an opportunity. It's even noted that in uh, Chinese, in the written language of characters, the word crisis is composed of two characters, one that represents danger. The other, wait for it, wait for it, represents opportunity. So what an insightful moment that is literally thousands of years old. There's lots of quotes of Abraham Lincoln and many great things that he did for people but the Chinese characters have been around a long time, which also tells me, right, part of the human condition has always been about how do we communicate with each other during good times and crisis times. Now, Benjamin Franklin, right, would have said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Others would talk about in issues that are ignored is a crisis invented, right? Right. Lots of different ways to think about 
this. Uh, Martha Beck, who is a well-known author, uh, stated it this way. I really do think that any deep crisis is an opportunity to make your life extraordinary in some way. So what do we do with this? What is this investment of time that you're choosing to spend with me do in recognizing when crisis shows up, it takes absolutely everything else we have prepared for and turns up the heat. So this podcast has been designed to help each of us learn so we can make a better impact on those around us. So no matter what our position is, our career pathway, our experience level, there is one thing that remains very true in organizations, and that is that effective communication is critical. Similar to the quotes and a little bit of the history notes just a moment ago, I believe the need for human communication or effective communication has always been present and is certainly most true during a crisis. I'd start with the note and a point that I like to make regularly, that communication is different than effective communication. I can talk or email all day long, doesn't make it effective. So what makes it effective? And then we'll apply it to the crisis scenarios. Effective by definition is being able to produce the successful or desired result. So what is it we're trying to navigate? What is it that we're trying to get to? And are we using the mechanisms, the tools of communication successfully to get there? The communication model for about 120 years of textbook learning has been based on a person-to-person model. I communicate with you. The message is sent through my filters and perspectives like age, life experience, mood, and more to you, the recipient. You receive it through all of your filters and perspectives. And to make this effective, I need to make sure that you've received it, understood it, and are able to do what I need you to do. Or at least give me some feedback that it was received, understood, and acted upon. Effective communication acknowledges both the sender and the receiver of message and those filters and perspectives. So the sender must consider the receiver's background, knowledge, communication preferences to tailor that message appropriately. And similarly, the receiver should actively engage in listening, understanding, and providing feedback. This model understands that it's not just way one way, but it's reciprocal and continuous as long as the exchange between parties remains in play. Well, that is you to me and me to you. What happens when we multiply that by three people, 30 people, 300 people, or 3 million people, not to mention millions more? And then... We put it into crisis mode and emergency where emotions are high, risks are significant, and it takes all of our decision-making, all of our problem-solving, and all of the potential impact on people and levels it up, ups the ante, as the saying would go. And then that process becomes even more complex because I'm trying to send that message to many, likely through a method that also has advantages and disadvantages, 24-hour news cycles, social media, email, meetings, notes, phones, text messages. 
Because today I can see you face-to-face or virtually through technology or simply call you. I can email, text, or send an instant message. And depending on our work environment, I may need to communicate critical information via handheld radio. There's so many more like documentation or a handwritten note or input into a computer system. There are so many more methods of communication today, and I believe as a result, there are many more ways to mess this up, to be less effective, because now I may need to get that message to you, but it was it a fit for the timing and the method? Should I call you, message you, call a meeting? What does that look like? Plus, we have all these intranet platforms and collaborative tools. And when we consider factors like urgency, complexity, confidentiality, and the preferences of those involved, this plane just gets complicated. So for today, consider what would it take for you to level up your communication one notch, a few percentage points better? Is there one thing you could focus on in the next few weeks that would not only improve your work with others, but have a positive ripple effect and how they use that improved communication to make a difference in others. And it builds you a foundation to leverage when crisis hits. Remember, effective communication takes effort, skills, and attention. It doesn't just happen. So we can't expect it to just happen in a crisis. As leaders, we carry the responsibility to know what our strengths are, when it comes to effective communication and where we need to improve. So perfection is not possible. For those of you self-described perfectionists, let me just say that again. Perfection is not possible. And as we continue to explore, continuous improvement is critical. So I want to focus specifically on what we need to do before the crisis, because once you've hit the crisis, it takes all of this to work out well. Whoever your group is, organization level, department level, team level, family, community group, right? When we look at organizational communication, there are three key areas I start with with my clients. When we map out an internal communication plan, including a crisis communication plan, I look at culture first. What is the context in which the communication is happening? Because I would be irresponsible if I just put a plan together and I didn't understand the lay of the land or the context, the culture, the climate in which the communication was happening. And that culture also gets tied to structure. How do we operate in an organization? Roles, responsibilities, how does work flow? And then timing. So are there things I need to think about in terms of how we do this and when we do this? culture, structure, and timing. Now, let me be clear here for a moment about a reality check. You may be looking around you in your office or in your car, be safe, and literally or in your mind thinking or saying, right, if they would just communicate better, this would improve. They noted with those nonverbal tones in my voice and my hands, of course, that you cannot see waving around, They can be leaders, senior leaders, customers, clients, anyone else. I will always encourage you to start where you can, focus on what you can control for. 
when you communicate more effectively, you gain others' respects. When you communicate better with your team, they perform better. When you lead a better meeting, people want to show up and participate in your meeting. When you send better emails, people answer them. So when we consider critical components that help organizations establish a communication plan that supports collaboration, engagement, and our goals, we can then handle a crisis. So communicating during a crisis is crucial, right? And leaders need to provide, let me just pause here in case you might want to write this down. Leaders need to provide timely information. They need to manage uncertainty. They may, and they need to maintain trust and confidence among stakeholders. What would be some recommendations? For leaders to communicate better during a crisis, number one, as I'm emphasizing in our time together right now, be prepared. So before a crisis occurs, develop a crisis communication plan. This plan should outline roles and responsibilities, key messages, communication channels, and protocols for various crisis scenarios. Being prepared allows us to better respond swiftly and effectively when a crisis emerges. Another one, leaders act promptly. During a crisis, timeliness is essential. It is a balance between not reacting without information and waiting too long. Acknowledge the crisis, address any immediate concerns, and communicate initial information to stakeholders. You know my quote. Who can say it? You remember what it is? In the absence of, okay, in case you don't remember it, repeat it after me. In the absence of information, people make it up. Uh, yeah. So delayed or insufficient communication can lead to rumors, misinformation, and further escalation of the crisis. They fill in the blanks. And during a crisis, this is especially dangerous when they don't know. Something else we as leaders need to do, and I get that when we are managing a crisis, we're trying to make clear decisions based on facts. However, leaders, we can't let go of that empathy and compassion. Crisis often evokes strong emotions and anxieties among team members, clients, customers, and other stakeholders. It is so important that we demonstrate empathy and compassion by acknowledging the impact of the crisis on individuals and our teams. Expressing concern, understanding, and support helps to build trust and reassure everyone involved that their needs are being considered. Empathy is being able to understand how somebody else is feeling. Compassion is about caring. So when we think about this as tied to information, then transparency is critical during a crisis. What can you do to provide accurate, up-to-date information, sharing what is known and being transparent, clear, articulate about any uncertainties or limitations? Be careful to avoid speculations or unverified information. This can cause confusion and even erode trust. Stick to the facts and provide regular updates as new information becomes available. 
I would point out that visibility and accessibility during a crisis means even more. Leaders, you have to be visible and accessible to stakeholders during a crisis. This can be done through meetings, briefings, public statements, town hall meetings, online platforms. Just do it. Being present and available helps to instill confidence and allows everyone involved to have direct access to information and ask questions. Of course, we need to tailor our messages to the audience. Remember that this is important in non-crisis situations. I'm going to communicate to external customers different than I'm communicating to internal customers. Different groups have unique concerns and information. It should be different during a crisis. So we need to tailor messages to address those specific needs. Consider the perspectives and priorities of various groups, such as staff, clients, customers, media, the public, and provide that information to address their concerns. So plan it out. Use clear and consistent messaging. We do need to be clear and concise in our language to convey those key messages, avoiding the jargon or the technical terms that may confuse the audience. Consistency and messaging across different communication channels also helps to avoid confusion and reinforces the credibility of the information being shared. We should anticipate what questions might come at us and address those as soon as possible. People, especially during a crisis, will come forward with questions and concerns, and we can anticipate what those might be, consider some thought-out responses, and really help proactively manage expectations and provide audiences with the information we seek. We do need to actively monitor feedback, questions, concerns, and respond promptly. This could be depending on the scope of the crisis through social media, dedicated helplines, or other communication channels. Acknowledging and addressing valid concern and providing updates as necessary becomes so critical in doing that across platforms. And then letting people know where they'll get that information. You don't have to do it across everything, but you need to do it consistently across what your chosen pathway is. We learn so much, though, in a crisis, and it is hard for us to process it all during that time. So take everything that I just shared with you and note, we can use these experiences to learn and improve. So after the crisis has passed, we should conduct a post-crisis evaluation to assess the effectiveness of the communication efforts, what happened, and what did we learn. Again, human learning happens when it gets reinforced and coded in our memory, in our brain. Identify those areas for improvement and incorporate those lessons learned into your future crisis communication plan. Again, this continuous learning and improvement process strengthens crisis management capabilities in the future. I believe we can navigate the challenges of crisis communication much more effectively, focusing on accurate information, managing expectations, and instilling confidence among all of those who are counting on you is part of the weight we carry as leaders. You can do this. Just start now before the crisis is in place. Because, as we know, that time will come. 
On behalf of the Workplace Chameleon and our team here at the Pierman Group, oh, please, we all need to learn something new today. Smash mental health stigmas, smash gone pow out, and make good choices. Until next time, this is Dr. Selena.